As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. This is the Athletic Hockey Show. We are back to kick off your week in hockey. It's the Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. And as always, it's Ian Medestrilli and McKenzie. I was about to call us the M&M boys, but I, you know what? McIndoo shot me down. Boys. I, I, well, McIndoo shot me down. I said, Sean, I said, we have a great opportunity for a sponsorship deal here. With M&M, you know how expensive no, that food is? No, you know what would be even better? I always, although our, our American listeners won't understand this, we have a candy up here in Canada that's very much like M&M's called Smarties, right? Mm. How much of a shot would it be to the M&M and the folks at, who owns M&M? Mars? Whatever. If we Nestle? went and did a sponsorship with like their rival, it'd be like, Smarties. whoa, that's crazy. The M&M boys, this segment brought to you by Smarties. I'll tell you, we should should do that when we have Shayna Goldman. I'm not a big Smarties person, but if Smarties threw the bag, I would be eating nothing but Smarties. 
See? Absolutely. There we go. We got to be fishing. I, I, but we got to be absolutely. aggressively fishing for sponsorship opportunities. That's what really, that's really what podcasts are. They're just opportunities to fish for sponsorship. So that's, I mean, uh, that's it, right? Like, you can't just have Manscaped ads littered throughout the podcast. You need, like, right. bigger, you, you need some other fish to fry uh, when it comes yeah. to sponsorship. So I'm with you on that. Okay. We got to get into this, man. You covered, and I use the word covered very loosely. Yes. Because uh, you covered a hockey game on Sunday in which the Calgary Flames beat the Vancouver Canucks 10 nothing, 10 nothing, hockey game. Um, here's my question, because it's preseason. Do we need a mercy rule? Like at seven goals, if, if ever there's a seven goal discrepancy, you just sound the horn. And then if it's on a Sunday afternoon, guess what? The big screen, they just start streaming Sunday night football or something. Just, just walk away. Everyone walk away. There's nothing to be gained after seven goals. What do you think? I'm okay with not having a mercy rule in hockey. I don't think it's in us to have a mercy rule in the sport. I am all in on a running clock. I think especially if the score is getting out of hand, you start running that clock down even during stoppages. Like I, I like ten nothing for context uh, for people wondering why it was so lopsided. Half of the Flames roster was filled with NHL players. They started the game with Jacob Markstrom in net, Jonathan Huberdeau, Elias Lindholm, Jaeger Sharon Govich. They played their first game together as a line. Nazem Kadri was there. There's a bunch of NHL players on that in that lineup. Matthew Coronado got a hat trick of the young player they signed out of Harvard late last year. Went through the World Championships with Team USA. Like they played against an AHL roster. It was basically the Calgary Flames versus the Abbotsford Canucks. Essentially, that's why it was so lopsided. And if it was any less, I'm convinced, considering what what, with, what happened with the Flames last year, it would be a talking point. But I think in that situation, I would have appreciated, you know, partway through the game, they look at the score and they say, guys, let's wrap it up. Let's let's go home. It's a preseason game. There's nothing more we need to add from this. It's 10 nothing. You clearly see the rosters. As they are, there's no point in hanging out here longer than we need to. Running clock. That is what I think should be implemented for Running preseason clock. games if they get out of hand. Maybe even for all of preseason games, too, because at the end of the day, like, it's preseason. And I get it. The fans, they get the experience, have it kind of like a regular game. But if you're going to have games like this, go like that. Running clock. Calgary wins by 10 goals on Sunday, and you would think off the top of your head, well, that was the biggest beatdown in sports. But then the Miami and Dolphins no. won a game by 50, 5-0 points against Denver. What's harder, Julian? To win a hockey game by 10 goals or to win an NFL game by 50 points? What's harder? Like, wow. I, I think it's I, winning I, a hockey game. I think it's the 70 points. That's not something that's been done since, like, the 60s. Like, I, I don't know. Like, but, but I, I you think like a te- 70. Okay. You know how many times in the NHL uh, there's been a 10 nothing game in the, the salary cap shootout era? It's happened one time. And it was Columbus and Montreal a few years ago. 10-0. That's wild. That was the exact game I was thinking of. And it was, I was about to be like, I've seen a game like that. And like that, there's, surely there's been other ones. That's the, that's the, the exact well, game I was thinking of. Prior to that, the last time there was a 10 nothing, and I'm talking about a game in which one team scored at least 10 and the other team scored exactly zero. Prior to that, 
1996 Flames Lightning. Wow. Yeah. The 95-96 Tampa Bay Lightning, they lost two games that season, 10 to nothing. That's crazy. The same, the same season. That's crazy. That is insane. And they somehow made the playoffs, I think, that year. In Imagine 96? you lose two games. Yeah, 95-96. They, they lost two games, 10 to nothing that year. And Who still made that? the playoffs. Boy, Who's that on that 96 like, roster? Who was on that roster? That would have been like Brian they, Bradley. Um, uh, boy, God. after Brian Bradley, I couldn't tell you. Hammerlick. Yeah, Brian Bradley's on that there. roster. Hammerlick. Uh, Robin Hammerlick was there. Uh, I'm trying to look at some. Wow, there are a lot of names I don't recognize. But they made the playoffs. Uh, Igor Ulanov. Rob Zaminer, who uh, a lot of... Uh, a lot of Canadian fans of the '90s will remember. Uh, he was on that. He was on, he was on that Team Canada team that went to Nagano, right? Rob Zaman. He was on the original Nagano team. Yeah. Our yeah, producer uh, Chris Bellows. is telling us that Brian Bellows, wow. former Holy fifty Cross. goal scorer, uh, Enrico Ciccone, who's a politician. Oh, Enrico now. Ciccone. Ciccone, sorry, he's on yeah. Demon Lankow's there. Wow, this is what a list. I don't know. Yeah, this, they they lost list. two games 10 to nothing and still made the playoffs. That's insane. That is nuts. Uh, but but I, I still think it's football, man. I still think the fact that you got to go – I mean, I can understand you know putting up points to some degree of easiness to it, but it's very difficult to play football considering the physical contact of that sport. And to put up 70 points on a team, that is trying. And they put up 20 points. Russell Wilson – even if it was only by like a yard, threw more passing yards than Tua Tagovailoa yesterday. Like, and they still lost by fifty points. That's difficult to do. You have to have a bad defense to 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 really allow that. I don't know. I I think that that's difficult to score seventy points. But but I'm talking about the discrepancy in points. Like fifth, like boy, like losing by ten goals is almost impossible in the NHL. Yeah, losing you by know? ten goals is okay. That that is a ball, but losing by fifty in an NFL game, that doesn't. Jeez, happen. I don't know. They're both. That bad. does not. They're happen. both. They're both very difficult. I think it's harder in football, but like hockey's right there. Like ten nothing, or or losing by fifty points. I think even Rick Tockett at the end of that yeah, Canucks he game did. was he like did. was like I feel like Sean Payton. <laughs> yeah, he comes like out. That's the Broncos first thing he coach. said. I feel like oh, Sean Payton, or I feel God, like the Broncos man. head coach. Um, yeah. It, it it is it is tough to. What would you do if you were coaching a team, and e- whatever level, and you lose a game ten to nothing? Do you say anything to your players after the game, or do you just say, you know what, gang, let's just flush that one. We all know what happened. Like it depends. Like, what's it the point of when. saying anything? It it's it depends on the effort. It depends on the quality. Like. If I have a roster like what the Canucks had the other night, there's nothing you can really say. It's it's an AHL team going up against an NHL team. Maybe there's not nothing you could say, but you have to understand going into a game like that, you are going to be overmatched. And you you just try to focus on the little things in that game. It's a regular season game, and you have all your guys there, and you get curb stomped by a team. Like, you, I walk into the locker room, practice tomorrow. 9 a.m., whatever time. I don't know if I'm doing full bag skate, 
but you all know what needs to be done. I don't need to yell or anything like that because you've already been embarrassed enough. What more am I going to do yelling at you? Man. So, okay. So that, that look, I, I, yeah, I, 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 yeah, exactly. What are you going to say? There's nothing to be. There's nothing you can really say to that. Like, there's nothing. There's like, you lose 10 nothing in a game. And I get it. I already mentioned with the Canucks as they are. That's different. But if you are a, a team with grown individuals, you lose 10 nothing. You lose by 10 goals in a game. There's like, a lack of effort that has to be shown there that, like, I'm not happy with. But I don't know if I feel I need to be that guy to tell you that you played like crap. If I have to do that after that, that's a problem. That's a massive problem. You should know. Dolph, Dolphins put up 70 points in the NFL on Sunday. That, of course, was not the most talked about thing that no. happened on NFL Sunday. Right? That's Taylor Swift showing up at the Chiefs game, cheering on Travis Kelsey. And the reason why I bring that up is not to talk about that, even though it's a phenomenal talking point, and I would love to, to dive into it. But I want to share my experience with the listeners being around the Ottawa Senators when when Carrie Underwood started oh. dating Mike Fisher. Yeah. Because I got to tell you, man, it's when an A-lister starts hanging around your team, it gets different. It's like, like, it's just different. Like they would, they would sometimes, you know, Carrie Underwood would take the same kind of media elevator that, you know, and it's a private elevator, right? Like, so, you know, average, normal, regular ticket buying fans don't get on the same elevator as we do. But the the amount of security, like when Carrie Underwood was in the building, was totally different. Like we couldn't even sometimes you'd go to get on the media elevator, like, yeah, you're not getting on this elevator. You're not getting on with Carrie Underwood. Yeah, you're not getting on with Carrie Underwood. Oh you my know. god. Did you ever like get Carrie like, Underwood, Starstruck when you saw her? And I saw her a bunch of times. No, um, I wouldn't say. I wouldn't you know what? It was funny. I was at an event. The senators had a charitable event, and I brought my wife. And it was when Mike and Kerry were dating. And I, I knew Mike from when the time Ottawa drafted him. I always had a great relationship. And I told my wife, I said, listen, like, Kerry and Mike are standing right there. Do you want me to go up and I'll introduce you? You want to take a picture with Kerry Underwood? And my wife chickened out. She was too scared. What? And literally, I want to say, like, two months later, he got traded to Nashville. And that was no. it. I'm like, I told my wife, you just, oh. why did you chicken out? I was like, I, I would have oh. made the introduction for you. It would have been nice and smooth. No dice. No, no dice. Way. She got too scared. That's crazy. Like, have That's you ever crazy. been, have you ever been like totally oh, man. Uh, starstruck or in awe of a celebrity, like at a, either at a sporting event or like kind of you've crossed paths with them? Um Oh, man. I'm trying to think about this in terms of celebrity that I was just, like, completely in awe of. Um, I mean, meeting Larry, I mean, interviewing Larry King was crazy. Like, I I didn't know how long I could, like, sit next to this dude and ask him questions. CNN suspenders Larry King? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He was wearing suspenders. He was. He was. Um, I don't think he he doesn't. I don't think that man owns a belt. I think he owns (laughs) only. I think he only owned. He only owned suspenders. I think that's it. But like, I'm trying to think if there's a celebrity I've ever felt like I was just completely like shook. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't get, I don't get, like, I don't, I don't feel that way with NHL players. I don't feel that way with, with athletes. It's cool to like point them out and be like, oh yeah, like this dude is here. But like, 
a megastar. It would have to be like a really big megastar. Like if I'm just hanging out, like could you imagine being at an NHL game? Say like it's like Ottawa, Dallas. Say we get to travel to like to Dallas or something. And like you're in the hallway waiting to talk to uh, someone on the sends, and like Beyonce like walks past. Like she's, I know she's Houston, but like she's in Dallas for something. Like something's going on. Uh, Dallas Stars ownership plotting something crazy, and like Beyonce's ownership. Like I would be, like I know I mentioned the Senators in this, but like I would be completely. I know for sure I'd be in awe. I'd be like, whoa, like what is going on here? And maybe it has to do with the context of where we'd be at in that scenario, but I think it would take a lot for me to be super, super shook. I I got onto an elevator. If you've covered enough Rangers games at MSG over the years, and I, you know, I have. I have an MSG story would, after this. Okay. You likely would have crossed paths with Spike Lee. And, you know, yes. I got into an elevator with Spike Lee, but it was a jammed elevator, right? So I... I, I didn't say anything because I'm like, man, this guy is probably sick of running into people. I was like, this is really cool because I think of, I always think of the Reggie Miller uh, MSG stuff with Spike Lee back in the day. Um, that was really cool. And you know, the other thing I think about with Carrie Underwood dating Mike Fisher, you know, at the exact same time that Carrie Underwood was dating Mike Fisher in Ottawa. Yeah. Mike Comrie was playing for Ottawa and he was dating Hillary Duff. I remember and that. There was at least one game in which Carrie Underwood and Hillary Duff were in Ottawa at the same time watching. Like, it was surreal. But the center like, of, of, like, pop culture right there. <laughs> was Ottawa. Like, well before Ryan Reynolds and Snoop Dogg were kind of loosely, like, kind of sends adjacent, we had Carrie Underwood and Lizzie McGuire. Man. In, in the house. McGuire. One of the best Disney Channel shows, Lizzie McGuire, part of my childhood. That was yeah. great. Uh, my MSG story, when I was in uh, secondary, I was in my graduating year of high school, and we did a New York trip, and we had the opportunity, uh, select, like some of us had the opportunity to go to watch a New York Knicks game at Madison Square Garden. They were playing against the Dallas Mavericks. We were up in this upper bowl at the top of the arena. And obviously, there's going to be celebrities. At different points, they're showing all these random celebrities in the crowd. They show a couple Rangers players. Henrik Lundqvist is there. He's sitting uh, courtside. You can obviously spot Spike Lee. He's wearing orange and blue. Like, like he's easy to spot. At one point, they start playing Justin Bieber's music. And they show Justin Bieber on the Jumbotron. This is 2011. So Justin oh, Bieber so this shows up. This is yeah. like like baby still being played in rotation. They show Justin Bieber on the jumbotron. Everybody in the arena booed him. Like normally you see celebrity, everyone's applauding and clapping. It's like oh he's there. Everybody booed Justin Bieber. I couldn't believe what was happening. I was looking around. There were teachers with our group who were cupping hands over their mouth and booing Justin Bieber. This this he's like my age, I think. So like he would have been like a teenager, like this kid who's just sitting courtside enjoying this basketball game, getting booed to shreds. The very next day on ESPN's Pardon the Interruption, they had a mo- they had a segment. They talked about Bieber getting booed. That's how big of a deal that was. Man, Bieber at one point years ago, there was there was also a crazy rumor that he was interested in buying Ottawa. Like this was well before. This current news cycle where the team got sold. This is like four years ago. People were saying Justin Bieber kicked the tires on Ottawa. 
What is it with celebrities in the Ottawa Senators? It's so weird. It's the most random. Like, the Sens are the most anonymous organization in so many ways. You wouldn't think that at some point that these celebrities like Carrie Underwood and Hilary Duff and Snoop Dogg and Ryan Reynolds, Bieber. Um, do you remember years ago? You all, you all you have to do is Google this, but Rihanna wore a, yes. like, randomly wore an yes. Ottawa Senator's, like, jersey dress. The most iconic photo in franchise history is, <laughs> so, is Rihanna yeah. wearing that yes. old jersey. She found a yes. way to style it and make it look dope. Remember that? That is the most iconic photo in franchise history, bar none. Yes. So why is that? I don't know why there's been so many I don't know, celebrities. And no one knows why she wore that jersey. It's not even like it has, like, an R or anything on it. It just has this O, and she looks amazing God. in it. That would be the one. That would be a deep dive story I'd love to get into. Like, if you ever had access to find out how and why did you wear that? Like, what is the where is that dress? We got to figure out a way to get you You access to Rihanna's people. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But seriously, but like that's the cool thing about hockey jerseys, man. Like, I, I get hockey is where it is in the big four of sports, but. Getting to style a hockey jersey, you know, either you're wearing it like the way Rihanna's wearing it, or you wear it and you have a hoodie underneath. There's something cool about being able to rock a jersey like that. There's the weird kind of oversized feel. It it, it has its place in hype beast style culture. Like I, it it's so cool that I mean Snoop Dogg is another example too with the. Pittsburgh. Oh, the gin uh, and juice penguins gin. era, right? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, was, legend, like, that was so good. Absolutely. Come on. Yeah. Like, I wish, I wish we were able to take more advantage of the fact that a dope fit on a Friday night, you're going to a house party, especially in the fall when it's chilly outside, you get a hoodie, you get a dope jersey over it. It's cool. Like, it's, it's, it's dope. But it doesn't matter if you don't support the team, you just think it's cool. Like, I wish the NHL just did more work in terms of tapping into into the fashion into the 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 stylings of stuff i get we're getting players who are starting to realize style rankings exist now but like i we that needs to be ramped up the gear needs to be better it needs to be dope because it there was a time when it was and it, it needs to be like we got to also mention the minnesota wild third jerseys that were released over the oh, weekend that those is are so nice so, so it's a sweet example. I would love a jersey like that. It needs to be yeah. better, and we need to capitalize on celebrities wearing that stuff when when we see it. Absolutely. You know what? We're talking fashion. We're talking hockey. This mm-hmm. we've just set this up perfectly to set the table for Shayna Goldman, right? Dang. Like the, the the two worlds colliding here, right? Perfect guest and perfect guest to to drop in on a new segment idea I have. Okay. <laughs> Tell us, Ian. Tell us your idea. (laughs) Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, Julian, as we kick off a new season here of the, you know, the Monday pod, you know, we're going to come in with a new vibe and I got our new shtick. Our shtick is we kind of criticize somebody in one episode and then we lure them into the podcast for the next episode, it's it's a proven ratings winner. And that's what we we kind of we didn't really drag Shayna Goldman last week, but we were <laughs> we were curious about Carter Verhage's placement, right? Fair to say, fair to say, we were curious about yes, where Verhage the player uh, landed. We absolutely were. We we we, and that's why we have Shayna here because I, look, we got to talk about this, man. Like <laughs> the, Carter Verhage, more than fine as a player has come up huge for the Florida Panthers in the playoffs uh, last summer. Why is he ranked in a higher player tier it, than uh, – Ian, do you want, did you want to add on yeah. this? But, like, I just <laughs> – why is he there? Yes, and I'm going to say the new name of this segment is Explain Yourself. Explain Yourself. Uh, Jana yeah, Goldman, was, explain yourself. We love Carter Verhege. Yes, but I like him too, but, like, I don't know no, if no, he's no, a no. tier. No, 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 we don't like him. We love Carter Verhage. That's our favorite little analytics darling. Yeah. Well, look. Okay. Well, everyone is deserving of love. But why is he in tier three when you have other players like a Matty Beniers or a Jesper Bratt or a Kyle Connor or Pierre-Luc Dubois or Ehlers in tier four? Philip Forsberg. Like, why are they ranked lower than Carter Verhage? So I think for some of those players, like, you can look at each of the ones you named and pick out a flaw, right? Like. Pierre-Luc Dubois, there's definitely some lapses in his game. And he's a very good player, right? And he's someone that I could see rising up the rankings. Matty Beniers has that star power potential that the Seattle Kraken need. And we all love him for that, right? There's so much there that I won't be surprised if he's in Tier 3 when we redo this midseason and Tier 2 next year. I think that's, like, absolutely a thing. Nikolai Yalers, it's kind of hard to move him up because we think so highly of him. But his coaches literally never do and never want to give him the minutes. So, you know, we have to take all that into consideration. But with Carter Verhage, I think that there's a consistency to his game that's been really underrated. There's a reason why he was this, you know, Cam Lawrence under the radar pick for the Florida Panthers when they signed him when he left Tampa Bay. And he's proven it every year below the surface. Now, the interesting thing about him is his point totals, you know, look pretty good, right? You look at on the surface and see, well, that's impressive. The fact is, they're generally five on five points. He doesn't get that power play opportunity. He still crushes it. And he's someone that, when you start digging below the surface, you see he's legitimately one of the best players in transition on, in the entire league. You know, he can stand up with the Braden Points and the Connor McDavid's and sure he doesn't have the same finish as them, but you know, he he has his role. It's different. He's not expected to be that tier one, tier two player. Here he is, someone that is just constantly going. He's such an engine for the Panthers and such an underrated part of him. And there's a completeness to his game, a versatility to his game, and there's a clutchness to his game that we can't forget either. This is not someone who wilts when the you know pressure rises. You look at the past two years, and this is someone who just absolutely crushes it. And you know, when we were doing this, we talked to a couple team sources, and one even was like Carter Hagee. Like that is not a name you expect to be here. It's not where he was last year either. He was in tier four. And then once they started digging in, they're like, wait, I get it. Because it, you know, all of it starts stacking up. 
that ability that he has, which is why we think so highly of him. And sure, it could drop, but it just feels like year after year, he's making the conversation to be one of those, you know, top complimentary players for that franchise star. He's not the franchise star. He's never going to be that. And that's totally okay. But he's going to be that leading supporting player. And, you know, Shane, he busted out for 42 goals last year. Like, is that good? So what I, yeah, yeah, I think that's, I, look, Julian and I can agree. That's good. What's yes. a realistic expectation? Like, is 42 again realistic? Is it, is it 30, 35? Like, where should we set our expectations for a guy like Verhege this year? Well, we know he's going to be bonafide top six usage, right? There's no doubt about that in Florida. And generally speaking, it's going to be with someone like Alexander Barkov, who he absolutely totally clicks with. And Barkov is such a good playmaker and Verhege can finish those chances or Verhege can rush into the zone and create his own. So I think that there's a good foundation for him to score. But we also saw the Panthers kind of switch things up. And sometimes he was on that other, I don't even want to call it the second line because Matthew Kachuk's on it, that 1B line, that like 1.2 line. I don't know which one's one, which one's two. It doesn't. It's tough to say if Verhege's on with Kachuk, does that become the first line? I don't really know. But we saw him play there too, and I think that's a great opportunity for him to put up points as well because Kachuk has the finishing ability, so we could see Verhege set him up. And Kachuk has, you know, the passing and playmaking ability to set him up. I think 40 is going to be tough if you're not getting power play one ice time. Like, I, I don't know how you can keep hitting those levels without that opportunity. And even when the Panthers made adjustments, generally speaking, it wasn't him going on that top unit. You know, Sam Bennett got the looks ahead of him and Sam Reinhardt generally stays there. So it'll be interesting to see how the season goes if they do move out a top player. Maybe someone like Lundell, I think, is going to get prioritized over him as well. But I still think this is someone that's a bonafide 30 plus goal scorer. Like if he hit 35, 36, I'm not going to be surprised at all. I just think 40 is pretty high. But then again, the rise in scoring, who's to say what the new levels of normalcy are going to be this year? I still I still want to, you know, make an argument for Kyle Connor, who did have a down year, but still ended last season with more points than Carter Verhage. And look, 42 goals are pretty good. Kyle Connor scored 47 in a season. He is consistently one of the most underrated goal scorers in the National Hockey League. And I still think they should be at least closer or at least on the same tier. I'm still I'm still gonna put up for Kyle Connor, who is very underrated in the league. I, I'm, I'm. This is not even a question. This is just a statement for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting that out there for that. But, but I would love to know. Uh, in talking to execs and and other scouts about other players, kind of around that threshold, uh, what was it like just putting that all together and hearing their thoughts on on how you've ranked everyone in the tier list? It's interesting when you have the opinions agree with you, right? Because then you can like pat yourself on the back and like, hey, we did something right. But it's always interesting when you have differing opinions and for us you know like for dom and i we're two nerds and sean really balances the line between you know non-nerdiness and nerdiness for us so I think oh that he's a nerd helps. you stop it sean yeah. he stop, really stop, is stop, a nerd stop, he really stop, he's like stop. a secret a nerd, nerd i feel like he's a nerd i want to hear this whole thing from sean about how he's trying to be cooler than dom or shana he's a <laughs> nerd and there's nothing wrong with being a nerd but he's a nerd don't act cooler than you are sean gentilly please go ahead <laughs> But we're talking to people with different backgrounds too, right? We're talking to analysts. We're talking to more traditional coaches and executives. So it's a really nice blend and it gives you something to think about. You know, it, it you'll talk to someone about Tate Thompson, right? And they help put it in perspective. Uh, I think one of the quotes was something like the, the fun of Tate Thompson eclipses the actual ability sometimes. And I like that it gives you something to think about there because you think of his defensive game and how it lacks. You know, there were definitely a lot of conversations about certain players that 
everybody, no matter their background, no matter their role, was, you know, drawn to like a Quinn Hughes. He was he was really one that sparked a ton of conversation because there was a lot of contemplation on how to sort those top defenders. And we were back and forth on it ourselves. So it's always interesting to get that because you you really do get you don't have to just buy into everything everyone says. Right. But you can take it in stride and just figure out how these players really should be viewed now and in the future. And that's the thing. It's not just where they're right now. It's where we expect them to be this year. You know, I'm wondering if we can if we can create a fun bet here. Okay. Julian seems like he's on team Kyle Connor. Shana, you're clearly team Carter Verhage. Why don't we make this interesting? And the two of you, we do something fun. I just, I'm the neutral arbitrator here. Okay. Whoever scores more goals this season, maybe there's something fun on the line. Do we do goals or points? Well, that, that let's determine that. I feel like, I feel like points is the way to go here. Cause I feel like Connor definitely has the goal scoring edge even when he dips and like for he, I think can pick it up and even that out. But like, Hey, I'd like to see if Kyle Connor can, you know, earn some more assists this year. I'd like to see him round out his game. I'd like to see him learn how to play one shred of defense. I am all about it. I like Kyle Connor. So I'm in. <laughs> I'll, I'm cool with points. I'm cool with, with kind of rounding out and making it fair for both sides here. Uh, let's say whichever of the two players gets the most points at the end of the year all right, this is this is the tricky part for me. I need to be more creative with <laughs> no, bets. We asked the listeners. I know I'm not either. We we asked the listeners to come up with something. Maybe Shayna has to make. Although Julian doesn't strike me as a scrunchy guy, um, you know. Yeah, I, I, you, you I, make some I, unbelievable I don't have that stuff. Skill. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, we'll ask the listener. Shayna does make up. incredible stuff, and you should check out yeah. her, her the cool clothes and scrunchy stuff that she makes. It's really cool. Yeah, thank you. Oh, we'll figure out something. It'll make you a nice patchwork custom Carter Verhage sweatshirt. Maybe the Florida Panthers can donate us, you know, some stuff in the Winnipeg Jets. Kick us some of their old merch that's just sitting there. Yeah, and we can make something cool out of it, and I'll become the ultimate Kyle Connor fangirl, or you can become the ultimate Carter Verhage fanboy. Who's to say? Yeah, maybe we. Yeah, maybe we just buy the. Uh, we have to buy like the jersey of like Ooh, the player like who gets that. more points. Yeah. We just have to like wear it on like a show or something. I mean, our stuff's on YouTube now, so like I, I could wear like a Florida Panthers Carter Verhage jersey. And Shayna, I don't know, maybe on the next like Too Many Men episode, you wear <laughs> a Kyle Connor Winnipeg Jets jersey, and maybe it's of the maybe it's of the alternate jerseys too. I don't know if we're doing yeah. uh with any of the alternate jerseys they have this year. That might be the bet, but we'll take any submission from anyone else. We got each other nice little foam fingers. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. You know, Shayna, one of the other things, obviously you, you you guys drop the uh, you know, the 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 player tiers, and that's always a great conversation point. But so too are the standings predictions that that you and uh Sean Gentilly and, and Dom also uh put together. And basically, since uh, you know, for the last week or so, we've been checking out the site, and every day there's a new team. And the goal is if you're a fan base, you don't want to wake up and see your team. Oh man, today's the day. Today's Nashville's day. Uh, you know, recently we've seen Buffalo. I think a lot of Sabres fans are a little rattled. Detroit fans, a little rattled. Um, as you look at this so far, and real quick for the sake of the listeners, it's been San Jose, Montreal, Chicago, Anaheim, Philly, Columbus, St. Louis, Washington, Arizona, Detroit, Buffalo, Nashville. So in order of kind of where they're going to finish uh, worst to, to best, is there has there been one team? where the fan base is really pushed back and you've really felt that sort of uh, 
anger from where they're uh, they're they've landed here in the uh, in the model. There's this one team. They're called the St. Louis Blues, and they hate Dom and Sean, but especially Dom and his model. Um, oh my god! So that one, you definitely feel the brunt of it. And it was funny. I think Sean, if you take the primary role writing on that one, so if you do like the strengths and weaknesses, which is the biggest chunk of it you get the first byline and Sean got the first byline and it doesn't even matter because the commenters are already like, oh, here's Dom and his model again, projecting our team to be bad. But it's like, sorry, your team is bad. That is even with the most, <laughs> you know, even with everybody hitting their ceilings in St. Louis, even if Robert Thomas bounces back, which we anticipate him to do, even if Jordan Cairo takes a step forward, which we anticipate him to do, you know, and Buchanovich being consistent and things like that, that team is very flawed. Like they really didn't do much this summer. and. Some of it's because it's self-inflicted from management signing, I don't know, five defensemen to have some sort of no movement clause at the same time. Like, who knew that would be a bad idea and bite you at a certain <laughs> point? But, you know, it's that is that is a them problem. And it felt like it felt like they were the team along with Washington that could have really been interesting this summer because they accumulated so many assets at the deadline. And when you have numerous first round picks and you have all these extra picks, you can go two routes and you can just take the picks and, you know, replenish your prospect pool and build for the future. But it felt like both those teams were kind of primed to go, we're retooling on the fly and we're going to do this quickly. So you flip those assets for, you know, bigger and better things. The Blues did it the year before they won the Stanley Cup and it worked for them. But neither one really impressed with that. So those are the two for me that it's it's like a little bit interesting. But but Jordan Cairo is supposed to score 50 goals this year if you hear Robert Thomas speak from the mountaintops. I mean, listen, that would be great. He has so much skill, so much flash in his game, so much ability. He's someone that, you know, you really can slot anywhere in your lineup in theory, but there are definite flaws there. And the coaches have taken that out on him. When he has had defensive lapses, they've had no problem throwing him onto the fourth line and throwing him into the bottom six and limiting his usage. And now the Blues have two different assistant coaches. So that's always, to me, one of the most interesting things because I feel like we don't know how good assistant coaches are. We really don't. You know, we can see some specialists, you know, like a Bradshaw. I think we can all say that is a power kill specialist. We all know the defensive, you know, upside he can bring to a team. But generally speaking, we don't know enough. So when you see a team keep the head coach and completely change out their assistants, it makes for an interesting conversation. And the Devils are a really good example of that last year. So we'll see if the Blues can be that. Maybe they'll have something to bring to the table because I don't think Craig Brewery is the most like innovative coach. Um, we'll see mm. if they have answers to get Kairu to that level. But 50 goals, that's, that's, that's a lot of scoring from someone who uh, hasn't shown he can consistently throw it all together yet. Oh, are you going to put him over if he scores 50 goals or is he going above? Car He's not going above Carter for Hagee. I know the answer to that question. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like if he could jump out and be that franchise cornerstone of the blues they need somebody to be the guy you know and it's okay if you if your team like the seattle kraken and you go we're not going for the guy just yet and they know Beniers will eventually be that maybe shane wright can be that you know the blues strength when they met last made the playoffs was they had nine 20 goal scorers they had one of the best top nines in the league and you can get by with that but you look at st louis right now and go well that depth has kind of been chipped away at and really evaporated there and then no one's stepping up to be the guy and i don't know if that guy is Cairo, I think you can have a really nice one-two punch of Cairo and Thomas, although they both have the same defensive flaws, so you really need someone good to round them out. Maybe a Buchnevich is that kind of guy. It's going to be interesting. I just don't know 
if he's going to like emerge as the guy or a complimentary guy and if he's going to do enough to push into that third tier, but he has a skill set to do it. The Buffalo Sabres are really interesting to me, Shayna, and the model spits out that they're likely going to be on the outside looking in at the playoffs. And right now, 87 points, about a 20-ish percent chance to make the playoffs. Were you surprised? Because, look, there's a lot of hype and hope and optimism in Buffalo, and I think that fan base deserves it. But, boy, it felt like that kind of the model was a cold slap in the face of reality. Yeah, so I view the Sabres, the Senators, and the Red Wings in this like little Atlantic disruptor bucket. They are the up-and-coming teams. They are the teams that can knock someone else out of the playoffs. And last year, if I remember correctly, a lot of the hype was around Detroit and Ottawa because they had busier off-seasons than the Sabres, and rightfully so. And if I have it right, I think the model had them as Ottawa finishing first, Detroit, then Buffalo. And obviously, Buffalo finished above you know the other two last year. The model is a little more cautious with them this year, and there's reason for it. Their defense was terrible last year for all the offense they had. And this was a team that was top five in the league in scoring goals. And, you know, the below the surface didn't always match what they finished, but that's okay if you can keep it at a high level, which they did. You just need to round out the other elements of your game in case, you know, the goal scoring started to slip or something like that. And the defense is a problem. It's a problem on the blue line. It's a problem with the forward group. And they don't have the most sound goaltending to support that. And while we all have really high hopes for Levi, I think everybody was excited when he joined the league. You're like, hey, do you want to bury this guy in his first year? Because if they opt that the NHL is not the best level for him, there aren't many options behind him to have that security and goal. So you really do need to take defensive strides. And the players they brought in aren't the most high end. Connor Clifton and Eric Johnson are serviceable, but they don't scream like, oh, my God, contender status. But it, it'll be interesting to see how it all works out because their entrance is going to knock someone like Yoki Haru down to a third pair role, which is more fitting for him. And they bring in, you know, the tools that this team's missing, guys who are better at puck retrievals because you have someone like Power that's so good with his zone exit. So if you have someone that can do the dirty work in the defensive zone and move the puck up so he can, you know, spring for transition, like those are things that are really going to work out well for them. The potential's there for them to surprise, just like they did last year. I won't be surprised if they end up being the, you know, Atlantic team to finish first. I won't be surprised if they're of the three disruptors. Uh, you know, I won't be surprised if, you know, Ottawa comes out ahead of them, which is what we're projecting right now. But it's going to take a lot of indiv individual growth. It's going to take a lot of, you know, team-wide growth. And because they didn't go as splashy, it's going to take a lot of coaching. And I think that the coaching staff has proven to be really good there. So we're going to see how... They go from here on how they stabilize this group and kind of balance out their game as much as they can with this defense. And I think as the team gets better in that respect, you're going to see players like Darlene show that, hey, I can keep that elite level. And Tage Thompson, hey, the weaknesses in my games are kind of masked a little bit. And someone like Cousins jumping out is that like really, really, really high end to see like that. It's all there. All the pieces are like getting there. But I think it just needs like something to click and then it'll have that nice like trickle down effect. What about Nashville this year? I remember looking at them near the end of last season. They were selling off assets, and they looked like a team that was you know, just selling into not making the playoffs. And they almost made a run of it. They eliminated the Calgary Flames from, from contention in that big shootout, and they almost made the playoffs despite having, I don't want to say a bare-bones roster, but they sold off assets. And, and now they have Ryan O'Reilly and Luke Shen, it's they're a really confusing team. I know we're in the Barry Trotz GM era, but they're a really confusing team. What do you make of the Nashville Predators? Yeah, they they're really interesting because like they have the pieces to to end up in the middle, which is where they've been the last few years, and that's exactly what you don't want. 
you know, UC Soros is one of the best goaltenders in the league. For the last two years, Rich. he's dragged that team into the postseason, uh, almost into the postseason and into the postseason, right? Like, he has done all that and more. He's stealing 12 games a season, something like that. His quality start percentage is, like, through the roof. Like, he is someone that is just absolutely doing everything but getting up and scoring goals. And last year, post-deadline, they sold off those pieces. And all of a sudden, they had this spark that I don't think anyone expected. And it was guys like Tommy Novak that were really shaking it up. Like, Philip Forsberg was hurt. And you had these young forwards emerging like, hey, we can put up points. And they're doing that with a coach that's super defensive. So it's a new vibe for them. And I feel like having Saros and having Yossi and having Forsberg does make this challenging for a general manager who does seem to acknowledge this is going to be a long process. But do you want to try it? You have a core element at each position. And for two of those positions, you have two of the best, right? Roman Yossi is one of the best defensemen in the league. And UC Saros is one of the best goalies in the league. And Forsberg's still a high-end forward. So you have a really good foundation. And they're going to have a couple more years that you can try to go for it. So. It's this awkward balancing act in a way. And the fact that they went for the veterans, which it does seem like is very culture based, right? We saw them move out pieces and say, we're changing the culture here. You're like, okay, so you're going to be very like mid. That's okay. Sure. Right. Like you look at the piece and you're just like, that's, that's, that's a choice. But it does seem like they acknowledge that it needs to be the young players stepping up in these roles. You don't want one of those young players, a Parsons having to be the one see and take on those minutes. You want someone like Ryan O'Reilly to take that load off them so they can thrive in their appropriate roles. They seem to acknowledge that you can teach defensive structure. You need someone that's going to bring that offensive edge. And here's a coach that they think can do it. So we'll see how it goes and how they approach the deadline. Cause that's what I'm most curious about. Like, I feel like they're a team that could surprise and be a little bit better than we expect and kind of be in that playoff position. But is that going to be enough for them to say, yeah, let's go for it. Or are they just going to keep being proactive at the deadline and go, it doesn't matter. This is an experience. If we go for it, great, wonderful. But if not, we're just going to keep going along with the process. Like, I really don't know what the direction is going to be because we're hearing all the right things. Then you see the moves and it's a little more perplexing. Shana, before we let you go, uh, Julian and I, we when we opened up the pod, Julian covered a 10-0 game on Sunday. <laughs> Calgary beat Vancouver 10 to nothing. Here's my question for you. If you're a fan and Shana, you're at the game, you're at a preseason game and it's 10 <laughs> like. Do you stay to the final buzzer or like at what point are you checking out? Are you leaving to beat traffic? Are you just, it's a preseason game. At what point do you say I'm done? That's a tough one. Um, yeah. Like if you know, there's going to be a ton of traffic. Like I know for like a baseball game, I'd be like, I'm out. I don't need to see the rest of this. Like I've been here long enough, even like any other sporting event. I feel like I've left early. I don't think I've actually ever left a hockey game early, even when it's like, you know, and I've gone to games where it was, you know, casually going to Islander games and I legitimately didn't care about the results, but you're just going like for the vibes. I maybe left. No, I lied. I definitely left one early because I like I didn't care. So I think for a preseason game, I would probably fall into that same bucket of I I don't need to stay here for this. Like if you're looking at a train schedule and there's no option other than staying at that point, I'm probably like I'd rather sit here than in the train station. but. Otherwise, 10 nothing. I don't care if my team's winning or losing. I'm probably still like, I've seen enough here. It's preseason. Like, I'm done. But, I mean, if the vibes are good and you're having a good time, I guess you can try to, like, spin that into staying the whole time. That is that that is a tough one because, like, you want – right? If you're there and you're seeing 10 goals, you're probably like, I want to see 12. I want to see 13. I want to see how far this can go. But, like, logic would also be saying it, it's preseason. Go home. 
Yeah. Uh, would you throw your hat uh, if a uh, hat trick occurred in preseason? Do you? Would you throw a hat for a hat trick in regular season? Where do you stand on that etiquette? Hmm. I've never done that because I generally don't wear hats to games because they conflict with my glasses. Um, and these are things I have to think about. Uh, if it was a hat that preseason, no, probably not. Uh, regular season, if I were someone that was like super pumped up about a game, maybe like if it's like a hat that you just buy on like 47 brand that you can get at replacement of too, like you might want to. But I feel like the vibes would have to be right. Like I'd have to be like the most neutral spectator going to a game in like Nashville and it's someone like Roman Yossi has a hat trick. You couldn't see that coming. And the crowd's going wild. Like, I would want to be in on that moment because, like, I would be at that game. Like, I wouldn't want to be there, like, in a professional capacity. I'd want to be sitting there, no. like, as a fan watching that game, just, like, neutral. I don't care about the results, but I'm having a good time. And, like, the vibes are there and the energy. It's, like, infectious. Maybe then I would throw a hat. I have to think about that. I'm I'm going to report back. I feel like I need to just start exploring arenas and going with friends and just having the best time and going along with it and just seeing what happens and bring a hat every time. You know what? You mentioned a hat trick in Nashville, and this is a legitimate, this isn't me being facetious. This is me actually wondering, has anybody thrown a cowboy hat onto the ice after a hat trick? I hope I'm so. I'm sure it's happened. I would hope so. That would make Do we know sense. that for sure? Do the Predators sell like cute little cowboy hats now that I come to think of it? Like that feels like a missed know. marketing opportunity, if not like no the stars should don't. as well. They definitely have to like imagine like a navy blue Predators cowboy hat with like the yellow logo and then maybe some like bejeweled fringe coming off of that. Like that's a vibe. I'm not. But you're a not big throwing that on the person. ice. No, after I'm a Roman Yossi hat trick. No, no, I'm getting a strap for it and like having it as like you know like a bag. If you take it off, like that is that is <laughs> the focal point of my outfit. You you're, yeah. you're not taking that out of my cold dead hands. Hmm. Uh, okay. The well, Predators, at least six years ago, sold the, like a light-up cowboy hat that has Smashville, I think, as part of their... I'm not sure. Yeah, I think they definitely have like a cowboy Sounds hat okay. thing. They had one. They had a foam hat, too, a couple years ago. Or at least... Actually, no, not a couple years ago. They still have it in stock. It's for like 35 bucks. a Nashville Predators foam cowboy hat. I think that they need to upgrade this and get with they it do. and get really fashionable, like... This is a missed opportunity. It's not surprising. The NHL is like the worst merch out of like any sport, but this is something we need. Like that would be so cool to have. See, this is why I need I need teams to just call me and I'll help. Yes. I want to. I, wa- I just I just want to help. Like right now, I'm looking at like so much of like the old gear, like the 2000s and the 90s, and it's like it's such a vibe. It's so cool. It's so bold, and now everything's so boring. So we need cowboy hats in Nashville that are like. So fashionable, so cool to wear that you want to wear it. Like you're not just at a game; you're just like out partying in the city, and you want to wear it. The Shayna Goldman collection. Let's do it. Let's go. We're Let's do it. Collab. Yeah. 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 There we go. Hey, this was great. Thank you for being the first guest on the segment. Explain yourself. Um, <laughs> that was uh, that was a ton of fun. Thanks. Uh, thanks for dropping by. We love uh, you know all the work that you do. Uh, with the athletic because your stuff is so well researched it's always opinionated and it's always great for a great fodder for us on the podcast so thanks uh, for dropping by and i'm sure we'll have you uh, on again uh, uh, real soon thank you honored to be the first guest of this segment building a portfolio with fidelity basket portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich 
It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokers Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, there we go. Great visit, great new segment idea. But this we're workshopping. Explain yourself. Uh, Julian is being tasked with trying to line up Mike Babcock for next week's guest. As explain yourself. Yeah, I, I, the weird thing about the. There's a phone happen, joke right? to be made. There's a phone joke to be made there. I don't know if I'm the person to do it with Mike no. Babcock. But great, great to have Shayna by. And it's all it is fantastic to watch uh the reaction from their team preview pieces, right? And Shayna mentioned St. Louis fans are not happy. I don't think Buffalo fans are feeling like the love is there. Detroit fans are feeling like that. And I'm sure as the week plays out, there's gonna be some teams that are in that because this is the bubble point right nashville kind of buffalo detroit like these are teams that you could you could make an argument they make the play i'm sure ottawa is going to be in there probably calgary's in there right like these are teams that hey if everything goes well maybe they make the playoffs if everything goes poorly guess what you're going to be sitting around 20th 23rd whatever uh overall i'm curious about calgary because it feels as if in talking to people around the hockey world it seems like more and more people are a bit more favorable to them, and I think people are still willing to give the benefit of the doubt to their cast, but even Buffalo too, and 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 Ottawa, like I'm a bit surprised with some of the negative reactions and stuff. Like I still think those are good teams. I I'm very curious about. It, it, we have to remember too, man. Like the model is the model, but it doesn't necessarily have to go to plan, right? Like there are some variations. It's fun totally. to see. It's fun to see teams not necessarily follow what the model is supposed to be. Like, I, th- I think the model last year was really high on the Calgary Flames, and the Calgary Flames just weren't high on themselves, so they ended up cratering to the middle of the pack. So we'll see how it plays out for all those teams. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's always fun following along with that. That's one of the uh, the great preseason storylines of, uh, of training camp, right? Like watching uh, all of these things. Um, before we, we, we bounce out of this, this pod, I, I mm-hmm. do want to say real quick that, man, what a crazy weekend. Like, for me, what a difference in Ottawa with a brand new owner in Mike An- Michael Anlauer. Like, I, Julian, I had a chance to attend his press conference last week. And you know what was really cool? And Michael Anlauer, after his press conference, wanted to give the kind of four or five beat writers that, you know, around the team a lot. Just go sit down with him for 20 minutes. That's cool. And and shoot the breeze. Like I like put that. your phone guys, put your phones away. Let's have a conversation. And yeah. And it was great. And I and I think on Monday, he did the rounds on local radio in Ottawa. And that that's a huge thing. The previous owner only showed up on Toronto radio and wouldn't come mm. on the radio in Ottawa. These are little things. Anyway, the vibes are immaculate. 
in Ottawa, I got to tell you, it was great. And you know what? The one line that I thought was great that you would appreciate because you you know you you grew up in Montreal. You knew that Michael yeah. Anlauer, or you know that Michael Anlauer used to be a minority owner of the Habs. And he said, as soon as the sale was completed, he said it was great. My wife went into my closet and cleaned out all the Habs gear. <laughs> I mean, and, what, that, you have to do that. And straight up, to. he said, like half his closet was gone. Like mostly golf shirts, it sounds like, but. All of it gone. But here's my question. If you were, and Michael Anlon was a billionaire, like a, yeah. a billionaire, how do you how do you get rid of clothes if you're a billionaire? Like, do you, are they the goodwill? You're not going on to like, you're not reselling the clothes, right? You're like not. Like StockX or like Depop or whatever. Like, I, no. Would Michael and like, I mean. How do you get rid Michael of clothes Ant if you're a celebrity or a millionaire or a billionaire? What do Could, you do? You just like. What happened? You go to the Salvation Army in your big van yeah. with all of these different Canadians marked clothes. Just dump them off and see what it like. Whatever goodwill ends up with that haul of clothes, yes, enjoy it. You have a field day because all the fans from in Ottawa or Gatineau or whatever, you could just make that drive up. Someone should figure out where those clothes are going. Uh, but no, <laughs> I, I can understand why Michael and Lauer uh, would get to that point. And I think it's really cool uh, that he's willing to take the time to just talk to 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 the media in the area and get to know them and look i mean there's 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 going to be some peaks and valleys we'll see how it goes with a potential new arena the team still has to produce on the ice and at the end of the day like michael einlauer is a billionaire like if it comes to a point where this team is not doing enough a lot of fans will have their say and say hey you got to put some money into spending on this team but the bar is pretty low considering what the previous owner was like so the fact that michael einlauer uh, does not seem to be this this formidable foe or this this extremely yeah. weird person like the previous owner was. And I find it actually it's kind of funny. I don't know if we're doing it purposely or we're not naming Eugene Melnick, but like, yeah, it, it, the bar was really low with Eugene. We we gave him full Vol Voldemort treatment there. Um, we basically did. We did. Uh, all right, listen, that wraps up the Monday pod. We're going to workshop some new ideas as we're kicking off the new season. Explain yourself. We want to hear from the listeners. Good idea, bad idea. If you, if you hate it, we leave it. We leave it out. We drop it out. We're workshopping things here. That's what September, it's training camp for us too, right? Yeah, it's preseason, you know. We're filling uh, around with days, the lines. We're tinkering. Sometimes you have games where you're able to win 10-0. Other times you are, are you know, you lose 3-1 or something. It happens. It happens for better we get this out now than in October, November when the season is in full swing and we sound like we should still be on a golf course somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Leave us a rating and a review. Let us know what you think about the bet between Shayna and, uh, and, and Julian, what you think about uh, Explain Yourself, all the stuff we talk Drop us a comment there. Leave us a rating review. We appreciate it. Uh, you can follow us on YouTube as well. YouTube.com slash at the Athletic Hockey Show. Of course. 